Hi everyone and welcome back to the girl.gov podcast. I am your host Rachel and today I'll be speaking with my friend Molly Edwards about her overall experience working for the Peace Corps in Rwanda. We touch on topics like nutrition, skill sharing, and even white saverism. So with that being said, let's get into the episode. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm really excited that we were able to connect because you and I haven't like seen each other in years. Like I know. So long. <laughs> Molly and I met each other at One Medical. Funny because Noreen was on the podcast like a couple episodes ago to talk about COVID. But yeah, Molly and I met. We um, really had a ton of fun doing the prenatal program together, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Molly. Um, Molly and I are going to talk a little bit about her experience in the Peace Corps, which is really exciting. Molly was applying when her and I were working together. So we have some like fun stories about that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you for, for having me on. I've been listening to your podcast and it's really cool to like, feel like I'm having a conversation with you, even though we're, we're far apart. I'm finally on the East coast, but now you just moved back to the West coast. I know we just missed each other. Yeah. You'll have to come and visit, but yeah, I am Molly. Um, Rachel and I met, like she said, working at one medical, we're both, um, administrative assistance when you first came in and then I moved on to being the um, prenatal program coordinator so we got to work a lot on that so I became super passionate about women's health and health in general and um, I left one medical to go on to the Peace Corps which had always been like a dream of mine since I was a little kid and I had always been postponing my application, um, wanting to get more useful work experience and just life experience. And yeah, I ended up serving in Rwanda in 2018 to just about 2020 before the pandemic and came back home you know, had my COVID time, my lockdown time that we all did just trying to make life feel normal. And right now I am moving to um, Chapel Hill in North Carolina for for grad school to continue with my passion in, in health and nutrition. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's a bit about me. So I what I remember when you were applying, I remember like you were still a little bit hesitant, I think about doing it. Cause I think you had either friends or had reached out to other people who had done the process before. Um, and I remember you telling me, which has, for whatever reason has always kind of stuck in my head that obviously the Peace Corps, they look for people who are determined to go and stay. Um, but I remember you telling me that they kind of look into your medical history and your background and kind of determine Mm. that based on like, whether or not you've been to therapy, like, is that still the case now? Do you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. I remember telling you that story because I had a, a friend that I had gone to high school with and she was a super eligible candidate for the Peace Corps, like very determined, passionate about health and women's health. And I had seen that she posted on Facebook kind of this long thing about the Peace Corps um, not accepting her because she disclosed that she had been in therapy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had been in therapy previously before that too. And I ended up not disclosing it on my application because of fear of getting turned away. And I had heard of people um, who were serving with me too, or in other countries that had trouble getting accepted because of their past medical history, including uh, mental health. Um, The physical, anything like allergies or any kind of physical illness, they can usually send you to an appropriate country where you're going to have proper access to care or medication, whatever you might need. 
but the mental health, I had seen people get turned away and it's, it's kind of sad because, um, honestly in the Peace Corps, like while you're there, you need all of those mental health tools that you learn in, in therapy that I've had in therapy to be able to be like resilient and, and stay there and have a successful time for yourself and in your community. So everything that I learned in like self-help or therapy was such a useful tool for me. And a lot of people who didn't have that, I think found themselves struggling with their mental health and not really knowing how to properly deal with it. So it's, I think it's still an issue. And I think that they, they have some work to do on that for sure. (laughs) And because typically the amount of time that you would say is three years, but yours was cut a little bit short because of COVID, right? Yeah. So it's, um, it's about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So two full years of serving and then about, um, two to three months of in-service training. So your, your clock actually starts once you've passed your training. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to know kind of like, also, I know that you did stuff before you went to the Peace Corps, which was also kind of a reason that you wanted to apply. Um, but I think, I would love to know like why, why you wanted to apply what you felt that you could contribute to the Peace Corps and, um, and obviously your experience while you were there. Yeah. Um, so I started getting interested in applying, um, when my older cousin had gone to, he served in Tonga. He's older than me. So it was, I would think I was like maybe 10 or 11. And I remember at, so technology was like a little bit different there. Like when I served, I could be like connecting to the hotspot on my phone and zooming with my family. But when he was there, I think Skype was just starting. So we would do like Skype phone calls. So I remember um, talking with him on Christmas and him just telling us all about um, his experience. And then I was just like, I want to do this. So I had kind of always had that in the back of my mind. I wanted to just apply straight out of high school because I always wanted to just kind of move and and see the world and get out of my small town. And they ended up changing the rules for that, that you do have to have a college degree or viable working uh, work experience, which I think is a fantastic change. Like you don't want just a bunch of like 18 year olds fresh out of high school coming there running amok. So it was a good change. So I did end up going to school. Then when I got out, I had thought about applying again. And I thought, you know, I don't have enough work experience. I don't really know what I could bring to the table right now. I don't have that, that life experience that I would want. So, um, yeah, I ended up working for a while and that was when I finally started feeling like I, I can bring something to the table since at one medical, I got a lot of, you know, experience with health education and, um, and promotion and then also program management, which Mm -hmm. I thought would be really great. And I found a program in Rwanda that was maternal and child health. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is actually something that I know about and I can actually bring something to the table. You had asked, like I had done a few things before that too. And yeah, I had had a few experiences volunteering internationally, some good, some not so good. Um, The first one I had done was going to South Africa and it was doing health education, um, again, and I was really excited about it. And then I started looking into what I had signed up for a bit more. And I found out that it really was more of a like volunteerism type travel. So it's, you know, people paying to go into these villages and, um, gives whatever type of education or youth development. And then kind of traveling on the side and having these fun excursions. And 
I really didn't know that going into it, that it was a for-profit organization. And I kind of had like a whole breakdown when I found out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just, yeah, exploiting these communities and paying all this money to come and and help. It just seemed really backwards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a good experience because I I learned a lot about what I think is a good way to volunteer and volunteer internationally. Um, And I met some amazing people, some amazing local leaders too. And that really encouraged me to continue like toward the goal of joining the Peace Corps because I, I wanted a more authentic experience where there isn't this mass separation between you and the communities and you actually have time to build like a real connection. Mm-hmm. I was in South Africa for one month as opposed to Rwanda's, you know, two and a half years. Right. And I had also done some work in Nepal too. And that was much more like grassroots on the ground. We were working with different women's co-ops there, teaching how to make reusable menstrual pads. And that was a really great experience because these were already established co-ops locally led. And we were coming in and just doing skill sharing. Like this is something we can bring to the table and we want to show you guys. Here's how it could benefit you. Here's how to sew them use them, market them, and then like, you know, do what you want with this information. And the woman that I was working with too, she sponsored the co-ops for them to continue making marketing and selling these products for their co-ops. So that was a really good experience too, of seeing what like really grassroots, just skill sharing can do. And that was another huge like reason why I wanted to do the maternal and child health in Rwanda, because I had this, this actual skill that I had already done is, you know, totally different culture, totally different community. So there were going to be adjustments, but I did know how to sew these, use local products and properly market them. So that was something that I felt confident I could bring to the table. And that's kind of, yeah, what ultimately led me to finally apply because before that I was like I'm just some young chick like that doesn't know what she's doing either um and you know you end up getting there and you you still feel like that I think even if you are are a professional in your field there's just such a huge learning curve because you're coming into this community that you only know things about based off of like books and and movies and and things that you've heard. And then in the language barrier too is, is huge. So there's, there's a big learning curve and adjustment, even if you are coming in as a, as a skilled person. And are typically these communities like they're open to help because I can understand that kind of just being like a huge responsibility to go into a community of, you know, strangers and doing skill sharing Because I think to others, to outsiders, kind of getting that like outside perspective can sometimes be scary from strangers, I think. But yeah, are people usually open to it? How is that experience if someone isn't? So one thing I really do love about the Peace Corps and how they choose, you know, the countries to serve in is it's only upon like requests by the country, the country's president requesting that the Peace Corps be in their in their country and then communities as well so it's you know not us choosing but there are communities applying explaining what they want help with and Mm -hmm. then sending volunteers there that are appropriate with that community's goals so that's you know in in theory how it should all work I don't know if every single community you know worked as well as that but I got sent to like my community because the uh, volunteer before me had actually begun doing a reusable menstrual pad project Mm -hmm. and um, members of the community already knew the pattern and, and how to sew them. 
So they, you know, took my background and sent me to a, a community that actually was interested in this. And it was one of their, one of their goals rather than just like sending me somewhere totally different that didn't have, you know. Right. So do you get to choose where you go or do you kind of just like get to choose your preferences? Yeah. So they actually do like Peace Corps in general allows you to choose the country. Now you used to just send your application in and just ask like, okay, send me where you think I'm better fit. Mm -hmm. And I had heard of people getting sent to like, they have a background in like IT work and then they get sent to a country for agriculture or something. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if that, if this like, you know, person right out of college has to learn all about agriculture first and then teach people about it. It doesn't really make sense for them to be the ones skill sharing. Mm -hmm. So I think that change has been really good because people can actually choose a country that they can bring something to based off of their, their background, their language skills, different things like that. So I did choose Rwanda my second choice was Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm really happy that, that I ended up in Rwanda. Yeah. And can you kind of like walk me through a day in the life of Molly in Rwanda? Yeah. Um, every day was a little, you know, it became like, I would have people reach out to me like, what does your day look like? Like animals running around and everything is excited. But it's like, you know, after being there six months, like it was my job. Like it became like work, like, you know, come into the health center and um, do my tasks, have the meetings. And it just became my life. So I kind of loved that. Because I think it, you know, really felt like I was becoming like a part of the community, not like just an outsider. I was just like another employee. So my responsibilities there, though, were we did a lot of like weighing. There's a malnutrition program. It was already in place when I got there. Every health center in Rwanda has that. So I worked with the nutritionists Mm -hmm. and we would weigh, monitor the children in the community. And then we would do like food supplements or vaccine days was a huge um, thing too. Whenever children came in for vaccines, then we would also do weighing and kind of check in on their, their general health too. Yeah. The community is amazing. They see, you know, hundreds of patients every day with a really minimal staff and they really are passionate about helping their communities. Another really cool thing about Rwanda is they have um, community health workers. So these are volunteers in the community that have general skills on the weighing, monitoring, being able to like kind of be a liaison in their own communities of who needs assistance at the health center, or if it needs to be escalated to like one of the local hospitals. So they're kind of the eyes and ears like within their little tight knit communities, because our health center served like 30,000 people. And some of them are, you know, super rural areas where it would take them you know, two, three hours to walk to the health center. So Mm -hmm. instead they would have their community leaders who they would discuss with, and then they would be able to determine like, oh, I can, you know, bring that to you from the health center or, okay, let's, let's send you to the health center or the hospital. So that was a really awesome aspect of, of Rwanda is just how much people rely on each other in their communities. And I worked with the community health workers a lot. So a lot of what I did was working with my counterpart. And so I had two counterparts, the head of community health workers and the nutritionist. And we would kind of plan and determine different trainings that we wanted to do or 
process changes that maybe they were struggling with, with programs that they already had in place and they just kind of needed advice on how to make it work more effectively. Mm -hmm. So often like we would kind of do the program planning and then they would be the ones training, or we would have some community healthcare worker leaders that we would train them and then they would go on to train. So that was definitely something I tried to focus on and my counterparts did was like training of trainers so that it wasn't just me going in there, stumbling through my broken Kenya Rwanda, trying to train them. Like it just made so much more sense for it to be coming from local leaders that they already know and Mm -hmm. trusted. And I was, you know, there to assist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of great too, because at least, you know, after you leave or like they can kind of take that work with them uh, wherever they go. I think that's really important too, because they're actually in the community and can totally understand like just building that trust. It, It seems like it might be hard for an outsider to do that. And I know when we talk about the Peace Corps and kind of people from the United States going internationally or overseas, the conversation of white saviorism comes up or the white savior complex. Um, Have you ever been kind of asked that question or like, what's your idea about it? Or like, what do you think? Yeah. Definitely. No, it, it's a conversation I've been having for a while doing international work. Like I started learning about white saviorism. I hadn't really before um, when I went to South Africa that first time, because I started looking into the program I was working with and figured out it was like for profit and kind of looking at the pictures people were posting from it. I'm like, this just, this doesn't look right. right. Yeah, this doesn't feel right. And when I went there too, there were some volunteers who were very much like, I'm going to take pictures just with, you know, people that I built a relationship with, like my friends, like, you know, just being at home, taking picture with your friend that you met and you want to remember. But there were also people who, you know, wanted photos just to, I don't know, say, look a certain way or, you know, get, get those comments of like, how amazing, look at you. You're doing such a good job helping these, these poor people. And it, it just really didn't feel, feel right to me. So that was hard for me when applying to the Peace Corps and finally deciding to do it because I hated that feeling of like, feeling like I was exploiting a community. Um, And you know, thankfully the Peace Corps, they do talk about it in our trainings. You know, they talk about what is appropriate and not appropriate to be like posting on your social media and to also like, what's the appropriate way to explain to your friends and family back at home about your experience and your community? That's like one of the main goals of Peace Corps. There's three main goals. One is like skill sharing. So actually like skilled workers coming in, sharing. The second is sharing with the community about the U.S. Mm -hmm. because there are also a lot of, you know, ideas that different countries have about us that we want to really explain what life is really like Mm -hmm. and what Americans are really like. And then the third is to share with your community back at home about the country that you were serving in. So I think that that was good, that that it is a conversation within Peace Corps. But, um, you know, it's it's a complicated subject Mm -hmm. because I definitely saw the way, like, in the community being a white woman, like how I was treated and the like perks that I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not really felt in the US, I have never had to like being a white woman, which like is the majority in my community that I grew up in. I never had to think about, you know, that's a, that's a thing of being like a white person. I never had to think about my, my race very much and like how I might be seen 
in a community. So, you know, I stuck out there, but I stuck out and got perks for it. I had never really like noticed as much my, what's the word? White privilege. (laughs) Um, As much as I've seen it there, you know, I was getting the last seat on the bus or I was, people were always trying to give me the best seat at the meetings or have me cut in line and different things like that. Because, you know, being white, being a foreigner, it's also being a guest in their community because they were very excited to have someone, you know, coming that was interested in learning about them. And they are excited to have someone to learn, you know, about a country they know nothing about or have only seen in movies and actually meet someone. So yeah, that was, that was really interesting to see. And also this feeling of, do I have enough skills to really be like entering this community and, and teaching when I really don't know their culture? I haven't been here on the ground, you know, doing the work that everyone in my health center had art, you know, they'd been doing that their, their whole life, their commitment had always been to their, their country and their communities. So it's definitely hard trying to figure out like, am I bringing more good to this than negative? Am I, you know, continuing to like exploit a community? My whole thing about, not just about anything, but a lot of things is kind of someone's intent. So mm-hmm. I think the intent of Peace Corps is to come into these communities and help. And I think there's always like those one-off people who come in and might not have the same priorities as everyone else um, and might have like ulterior motives. But from like my conversations with you, especially like that the white savior complex never came up in my head when you and I were talking. Cause like, yeah, I knew what your background was. I knew why you were doing it and like, you know, what you wanted to accomplish. So there's a very like big gray area when it comes to it, you know, like, yeah. I think that's kind of just the way that I look at it is like, it's really like case by case. And hopefully for those programs that like are really benefiting these communities that complex doesn't put like a negative perception on it um yeah you know because I I feel like those communities really can benefit from it and as long as people are in it for the right reasons and have good intent behind it I think as long as they're open to it I think that also plays a really big part in it too yeah and I think too like a huge thing is sustainability too Mm -hmm. kind of what we had talked about that it isn't like you know you coming in and just I don't know. There are examples of some volunteers like building a library because then they can put their name on it and then they can put on their resume, like built, built this, got a grant and built this library and the community is like, Hey, we actually don't need a library. We don't have someone that can watch it. We don't have like the books to really even put in the library So there is like definitely a difference and it it is like you said, like the case by case of volunteers and what they're wanting to, to bring to the table. And, um, you know, I definitely think it's much more important to focus on that sustainability, that trainer, like that training of trainers where you are, there will be people that, you know, remain there and are the local leaders who are coming to us with like, just questions of like, what, what's something that you know that I don't. And then I'm asking that same question too, because I would tell them, you know, this is how I ran things in the program that I led back in the U S how do you think this would fit here? Like, Mm -hmm. what are the differences? What are the barriers here? You know, always taking that into consideration. I think too, I, cause I have had friends who have done that. And I remember it was more so when I was a little bit younger that more of my friends were, I don't think they were necessarily associated with the Peace Corps, but them kind of posting pictures on social media and stuff like that. And I think when I was younger, 
I saw that as really like admirable because I was like, that's really cool. But I don't think I saw what that like negative effect it would have on communities of like people just like infiltrating those communities and then leaving and not leaving anything with them to take. So like Mm -hmm. with skill sharing, they can take that with them forever and they can teach it. They can spread the word, but I can totally see how just coming and building a library or building a school or something like that can just definitely have a negative impact on that community, which is counterintuitive to why people go in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then them also just having a perspective of Americans and and volunteers too, when they're like, yeah, we asked them to, you know, help with nutrition training. And then they just came in and built a library that we don't use, you know? So So, do you have any advice for someone who would want to join the Peace Corps or something similar kind of advice on like how to make sure you're going in with the right intent. And if you're having feelings of like any type of doubt, why you shouldn't do it. Just any advice for someone who's considering doing something like that? Yeah, I think really looking at the position that you're applying for and making sure that you have like adequate like work experience. It's just like when you're applying for a job, you know, in the US too, you should look at it and think like, okay, could I actually do this job? Like, does my experience add to this? Because like, I think a lot of people can get into the Peace Corps. They you try to really make it seem like it's, it's really difficult and, and hard to get in, but uh, I, don't, I don't know how, like, there, there were definitely some volunteers that I'm like, how did you get in here? <laughs> so I think really looking at it like a job. It's not, you know, just volunteering or I'm American. So I know, you know, I have a lot of useful skills and I, I know better because look at our country, like you need to look at it and think like, do I have the right experience for this? Mm -hmm. And I would also probably look at the country that you're serving in, in your comfort levels too. Um, some are a lot more rural than others and like living conditions are just more difficult and that can be really hard for you to adjust to. So if you know that you need what you need a little bit more of, like I, I can't live somewhere without electricity or I can't live somewhere without running water, you should definitely think about that when determining where you want to go because if you can't feel like comfortable or you can't adjust to the uncomfortableness that's going to affect the work that you're able to actually bring to the table um and the experience that you you can bring then you're just kind of you know the foreigner that's always like struggling and everyone's having to help and um, I mean it is a two and a half year commitment I feel like at that point also it makes me not to go back to the white savior complex but I think when it comes to commitments like that, um, it's easier for me to be like, okay, these people actually want to be there because two and a half years is, it's not a couple months. It's not right down the street. You're in a whole different country for that long. And I know that you were able to come home once, right? Mm -hmm. You guys get like some sort of um, vacation time to come back home. Yeah. Yeah. So you get vacation time according to how, you know, just like building PTO at home for work. So you can, you know, do what you want with that, either going home or, or traveling within the country or nearby countries. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Peace Corps does not pay for, for that. So that is all your own money. And I definitely felt that as like kind of a barrier within Peace Corps Yeah, that like it it limits who can apply because if you do want to have these extra like excursions and that really like, you know, travel the world type thing that they really promote, you have to already be able to provide that for Mm -hmm. yourself. And, And definitely too with like, how comfortable you're going to be living in your community. We do get paid. We get paid well for community standards, like, mm-hmm. but you're essentially making as much as somebody 
in your community, just like a living stipend. So you have to subsidize a lot of your comforts if you, if you need that. So I felt like that was hard depending on a volunteer's like background. For me, I had saved, I had been working, so I was using, but I had to subsidize a lot of my living with the money that I had saved so that I could feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. So that's something to, you know, think about. And that I also think is like a crappy barrier for who can apply to the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. which you see a lot of like more, more affluent people that are like, oh, I can take two and a half years off. Like, um, I don't have student debt or these other obligations. So I think Peace Corps could definitely do a better job in, in who they reach, like having more access for, for volunteers too, because that I think is so important having like lots of different backgrounds and uh, volunteers of color being able to serve too, because that is America. That is what we want to actually be showing people that it's not just a bunch of like, you know, white people wanting to to go help in, in Africa. That is a cool thing about the U.S. that we have so many cultures and backgrounds and different people, and we are all Americans. And mm-hmm. That was definitely something that I, I tried to, to teach when I was there that a lot of the volunteers did. Um, and also that like America is not perfect <laughs> and that we, we have a lot of struggles too. Like I, I remember telling people like, we have people starving here also. And they were like, what do you mean? But you have so much money. And I'm like, I know you would, <laughs> you would think that. Right. Also, just like the perception of the United States to outside communities, I think that is a really big conversation in itself. Because I, you know, I think people here are so quick to be like, "United States is number one," and and then we're like, "Wait, let's let's look at the data here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the case. <laughs> but yeah, and I, how was it kind of just being there, maybe not by yourself, you had other people that were working in either nearby communities or the same one as you, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually, the first two months, um, you're living with all of the other volunteers um, in the same village, Mm -hmm. um, but you're living with a host family and you're coming every day to essentially like school. We were learning the language, learning cultural Um, norms and then learning like the skills that we were going to be teaching so that's when you're like really building the relationships with um, with other volunteers and when the Peace Corps staff is determining what your skills are and where what community you'll be a good fit in and then after that they you do move to your own community and how close you are to someone just depends on how close the two villages are. So I was living on my own in the health center. Um, and my closest volunteers were about an hour away by bus. So yeah, but I was living in a a little duplex with one of the health center's nurses, her family. So I was, wasn't really alone. And I think it's great because that's really the way that you get to, you know, try to try to integrate and really make connections, but it can, it can be isolating because of, um, you know, cultural and language barriers. Mm -hmm. So I really tried hard to like be myself and make genuine, real connections. Like not everyone in the community has to love me and be my best friend because that's not how it is in the U S too. Like I found the people that I connected with and made those connections, but you know, there were the times where you, you wanted to be, you know, around, around other Americans. So we, we visited each other pretty often. I tried my best not to rely on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can definitely be an issue within your community too. If a volunteer is always leaving every weekend or throughout the week, even to, to visit other volunteers, communities can sometimes feel like 
you know, why doesn't, why don't they want to be here? Um, And that's the same with like um, somebody leaving too, which Mm -hmm. I think is also really important. Like, you know, if you're applying, you're going to be there for two and a half years. And a lot of communities take it, you know, personally, if you end up leaving, like that they did something wrong or that you didn't like it here because of them or because of the country. Mm -hmm. So it's a commitment. Like you are truly, you're representing your country. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that too, from meeting, you know, I've met like one person from here, one person from there. And then that's, that's all I have to go off of really about that country. Mm -hmm. So knowing your intent and showing up and being a kind thoughtful person and you know every interaction that you have really trying to make sure it's it's a good one I guess (laughs) yeah and I know we talked about it a little bit before but that language barrier what was it like for you having to go in and learn a little bit of the language I'm sure that can be kind of intimidating like I would be intimidated going to a new country and not really knowing the language Yeah, I was so scared because I'm horrible with languages. That's probably what I was scared of the most. Like people have asked me about like, you know, being isolated and having no running water. Like, weren't you scared? I'm like, honestly, I was just scared of doing a bad job and not learning the language Mm -hmm. and that adding to me doing a bad job. And I, I had tried so many other languages before no success with them. But, you know, the Peace Corps does a really good job of teaching you useful vocabulary and how to, how to get around and get by and, and do the, the education that you need to. And then once you're in the community too, that's another good reason why you're not close to other volunteers is that you have to use the language and learn it. If you want to like, buy food in your market, if you want to figure out where your water is, if there's a, you know, a situation going on in the village and you have to ask people like, what's going on? What should I do? So I, I was very surprised by myself being able to learn the language and pretty well too. And one thing I really tried to do too, was continue to be myself and like, be able to choose vocabulary that I could learn that would properly show like my personality. Mm-hmm. I had two friends come and visit me while I was there and they were like, oh my God, you are literally like speaking a different language, but you're telling the same jokes that you would in right. English. And like, you know, you sound exactly the same, but just speaking something totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also not that great at languages. I mean, obviously I speak a little bit of Spanish, but like I cannot imagine going to a new place. But also I I have heard a lot of people like when you are immersed in like a community like that, like almost like a sink or swim type of situation, mm-hmm. like you're able to learn a lot better because like you hear how locals speak and people are probably a lot more open to like, they know that you aren't like native to the community. So like they're willing to help more, which, which is great. Yeah. And that's also, that's something that I love about Rwanda and you know a lot, a lot of other countries besides the U S like if if you come to Rwanda and you say like Maraho, hello, or anything, just try a little bit. Everyone like celebrates it and they're like oh my god you know Kenya Wanda like that's amazing thank you and they tell it like you're so smart you're doing great and then in the U.S. you have someone with English as a second language people are doubting that person's intellect you know right. they're like why are you here and you don't know English they're not like adjusting their language so that the person can understand them that's what I found like people would use really like easier Kinyarwanda for me because they know like, I don't truly know this, but I want to try to communicate with you. So I, yeah, that was just an amazing part of the community. Like they were, they were so excited for people being interested and wanting to, wanting to teach you and wanting to learn English from me too. I 
had some people that would be like, stop speaking Kenya Rwanda. Like <laughs> we need to talk in English. Yeah. I really want to know kind of like what you got out of going to Rwanda. Like what is something that you learned while you were there and kind of now being back in the United States, like what is your perspective on your experience there? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I definitely, I got a lot out of the experience. It also helped me decide what I wanted to do for my career. I had been so set on going to nursing school before going, and that's what I was planning on applying to after I got out. And I really found like a passion for nutrition and, and especially like the cultural aspects that go into nutrition. Like in Rwanda, I feel like a lot of people in the community can tell you, you know, like what, what's in a bounced diet, you know, what, what nutrients do you need? They can kind of tell, like regurgitate all that information, but then actually like putting in into practice and how to help communities put it into practice is the part that nutritionists here too need to work on because you have to take into consideration all the cultural aspects. Like, well, what does this food mean to them? Why do they tend to eat these foods? Like, is it traditional? Is it something with their family or what can they afford or what's available in their communities? What, you know, barriers do they have to having access to those foods? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, definitely see that in the U.S. also, like we get nutrition education and health education in school. Everyone can tell you like now it's, you know, the, the food, the plate, you know, how to get all of your, your proper nutrients in a meal, but actually putting it into practice and understanding like what's available in that community is, is so important. So I learned that passion and also that I, you know, want to bring that to the U S and that there's so much in my own country that I don't know about so many different cultures and communities and areas that, that I've never been to and visited. And it's kind of important to be like an, an expert where you are, because that's what I, I really wanted to work with experts in Rwanda, like, you know, they're all experts of their communities. So they're the ones that really know what will work and what won't and what the barriers are. So I think I also kind of learned that maybe international work and aid might not be what I want to continue with, because I think that we kind of all need to like grow where we're planted. (laughs) And there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. Also really learned the importance of community. There's so much like toxic individuality in the U.S. Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like you're on your own, do it yourself, people not really watching out for each other. And I would love to find somewhere in the U.S. or like build something like with a local community where you kind of have that same kind of small town feeling Mm -hmm. that I didn't really ever get to have in the Bay Area. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's super important. I think it's important just in general to have like perspective on other countries or like other communities and you can really like use that and I think other communities here can really benefit from it too because I think from our perspective of like being in the U.S. and being from California too like Eve I know that you're from like a small area but we have a totally different like perception of reality here than others do outside so I'm really excited to see what you do with your master's and like what happens afterwards do you want to tell us a little bit about your master's degree? Yeah. So I, and I, I'm going in August of 2022, because I've decided to um, defer my acceptance because I want to get residency and lower that tuition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and also not everything is totally in person yet with, um, with COVID. So I really know that I learn best when I'm like 
in a classroom setting, hands-on. So I'm really hoping 2022, things will be looking up, opening up, and I'm going for my master's in public health and registered dietitian at UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And they, you know, I supposed to have a, a fantastic master's program for public health. And I'm really interested in agriculture and food systems and policies that relate to, to that. I've never worked in government or policy, but I think also being in Rwanda, I kind of saw just how important it is to have policies in place that make healthier choices easier for people. That was something that I definitely see like for myself too. And the, the foods that I choose to eat, like what's convenient and what's easy. Like, yeah, I know how to make like a well-balanced meal, but how does that actually fit into my daily life or, you know, what foods are available in my community? And if there are policies in place that make it easier to choose those healthier options so that you're not even thinking about it, just like how I don't think about the unhealthy decisions I make because it's right there and I can grab it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really the way to make change. So I hope, you know, with that, that I, I get interested in local government and policy mm -hmm. and can kind of begin, begin working on that. Yeah. I mean, there's always room for more policy and especially, I think, especially in health, mm -hmm. and I definitely have that in common, which is great. So I'm so happy that you came and I'm so happy that we did this too, because I've been wanting to have like a conversation with you about your experience. I know we would talk a little bit while you were there on WhatsApp, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like definitely hearing it firsthand from you is, I've, I think is amazing what you do. Cause I think just like the experience that you have there and the people that you met, I think that they will definitely have like a very lasting impression on what that experience was like. And I, knowing you, I know that you probably left a lot of people feeling empowered and feeling like they had learned something from you and can take it with them um, for years to come. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I was really excited about this and, and nervous, but yeah, I would love to come back and, and talk more about this or, or other subjects too. And if anyone has any questions about the Peace Corps, about Rwanda too, and life there, and I didn't get to touch as much about like the culture there and, and different aspects of, of why I love it and why it's a great country to visit. But if anyone has any questions, you can reach out to me and I'd love, love to talk about it. Hey, thank you so much, Molly. And we will definitely be in contact soon. I want to hear about how it is in North Carolina. Yeah. And I'm excited to come visit you at some point. Yes. <laughs>